Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Well, we are so excited to have Larissa Minicon with us this morning. And um, Larissa is a cubby cubby, garang garang, zenith kiss, which um, means Torres Strait Islander and South Sea Islander woman. And she's lived on Gadigal land for the past 30 years. And Larissa's really amazing. She's gifted at speaking. Um, I've listened to her on multiple podcasts. Um, she facilitates um, workshops and yarning circles. She studies narrative therapy. And she helps lead um, Scarred Tree Ministries, with it, which is a church within a church. So it's a um, indigenous-led church that's within St. John's Anglican Church in Glebe. And we are very privileged to have Larissa with us, both um, sharing the message this morning and then also um, doing the workshop. So welcome, Larissa. Really. And I just want to mention that um, it's very tempting when you have an amazing speaker come to want to um, swarm her afterwards and chat to her. And we just really want to honor Larissa's um, space and energy and time and what she brings it costs her and um so i just want to encourage that if you want to say hi say thank you but this we'll just give her a bit of space after she speaks can i pray for you can i put my hand on yes, you can. god thank you so much for our sister coming down this morning to to join us i just pray that you would give us soft hearts to hear what she has to bring. And we pray for her that she would be refreshed as she gives to us this morning, that she would feel your presence, God, as she's sharing with us, that she would um, yeah, be filled up as she pours out. And pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Ooh, thank you for inviting me, church. <clears throat> um, so before I begin, I want to pay my respects to the Aboriginal people. As the first people and custodian of this land, we gather on the lands of the Dharawal. We all remember with love the spirit of the old men and old women from this country. Dharawal speaking country, long ago, Dharawal country, always Dharawal country. And I actually found out that Kembla is a Dharawal word. <laughs> meaning the some wild fowl. <laughs> so we're actually speaking Dharaw language when we say Kembla. So, um, wow, I didn't know what to speak about, but I knew that it was something about abundance. And um, I've been struggling with abundance lately. But something happened on Friday. You know, I was honoured to... Um, organised and host our last NAIDOC event for our elders, a luncheon at the Sydney Opera House. And this might sound like the most beautiful location. It is the most beautiful location. It is the most beautiful location in the world. Um, to you and to everyone who is international, but for our elders, it was a reminder of the colony. You know, what was built on Bennelong 
Barangaroo and Pemawal's lands, the Gadigal people of those lands. It was a sad realisation that they cannot claim or put claim on the Sydney Opera House, that they couldn't fight for land rights, that they could not enact their sovereignty because they are not there anymore. And it was a reminder of the hardship and the toil and the grief and the loss of just being in that building, walking in that building. And so it was, um, you know, an understanding that at one point in our, my elders' lives, they would not be allowed to walk in that place. That they, at one point in their lives, they were not welcomed, they were not allowed, and they will possibly be arrested if they walked into the Sydney Opera House. A moment in their life. And here we are having an elders lunch on Friday where they were honoured and we got to sit inside the Opera House and honour them. And so, you know, when we asked for their feedback, one of the elders wrote, in um, their feedback. And they said that this was the most safe space that they could talk about. They felt joy and that we were able to celebrate their lives in the place that was so colonised, but we created a space that was so decolonised. And so like, I always want to seek how to hold in an awareness of these stories, stories within this room stories in these rooms, you know, that we want to hold space for, to allow yarning to come forth. Like, uh, I was even talking to Sis Priyanka here. I was like, oh man, you know, just me talking. Like, this is very colonial, you know. So uh, actually after this, when we do the yarning circle, it's more of a decolonised way because we, are all need to sh we all need to learn from our community. It is our community that we learn from not just from one person speaking up here, talking to you. You have a story, I have a story, but how do we connect and create relationships around those stories? And so I was asked to speak on the word abundance. As an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander woman, for me today, <laughs> it is not a binary word for me. And before I answer it, why is this? I just wanted to reflect on a woman at a well. And so I read John 4, and we can read this together from the NIV version, from 1 to 42, and I'll just read it out. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water, I give them, I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water he told her go go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have five husbands and the man you have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do, not, what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now the disciples rejoined Jesus. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to the, with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have bought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest, I tell you. Open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, 
many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of our world. Amen. <laughs> I think um, understanding that at Jacob's well, it is a sacred site. It is a sacred site for both the Jew and the Samaritan. And considering that this place was mostly occupied, so, you know, like when this, this well is actually mostly occupied by women, it is the women who would be drawing water. And it is the women who would be, you know, gathering. This would be like a nice little woman's place, you know, they'd be yarning and gossiping and, oh, what cake did you <laughs> make the other day? <laughs> and it was mostly women and children that would be meeting at this, at this site. But here is Jesus at the hottest part of the day and this lone woman, a Samaritan woman, comes to this well, to this sacred site to draw water at this time. And it asks that, you know, was this woman a Proverbs 31 woman? No. Is this someone I know? Yes. I'm probably related to her. <laughs> I know this woman daily. This one woman. And it is because of her creative ways and her acts of resistance, she's not willing to be passive in this conversation with Jesus. She's not willing to be a bystander because he is a Jewish man, a Jewish man sitting at her well and is asking for water from her. And so as we read through this um, scripture and understanding that this woman is by herself and this man is asking, will you give me a drink? It is seldom that a Samaritan woman escapes the power that envelopes her very existence. She is oppressed by the very structures that her community has ostracized her, by the very fact that a Jewish man is actually asking for water. Understanding that, that, that she has come here with this history, but Jesus is still asking her for water. And you know, I think um, understanding um, my very wise Māori dad, Uncle Sam Chapman, would uh, often tell us the story about good water. You know, if uh, I have a cup, if my cup is full, is it, but it's all dirty, I've got a dirty cup of water, but still, the contain, if I want good water in that, I don't want to tip it all out. I don't want to tip out the water, you know? But what I want to do is to uh, put more good water in there. And we are to find the source of that good water, that flowing water, and put it under a tap and let the, the gunk of that water overflow so that I actually have good water in my cup flowing. And this is what Jesus is asking. I am your source of water. Everything that is flowing is flowing from me. You know, I want you to stay intact, but the junk that he is talking about is the domestic violence, the oppression, his, the relationship breakdowns, the trauma, the grief, the loss, the racism, the sexism, the patriarchy, the homophobia. This is all 
on attack of this woman's identity. And Jesus is saying, this water is a gift. So how do we move the cup if we don't have a, any cup to drink from? How does she trust a man that she's been taught to fear? And this is the dilemma. That we don't come here question that we don't come here questioning her ability to drink from this well, but we are asking that we are relate that she's related to this well. She's like she understands that Jesus is, has a relationship, but this is her well, you know? She's saying, this is my, my well. She's not being passive in this conversation. She's being so brave and, and questioning, even though she is by herself. So how are we so privileged to forget our own ancestors? And we continue to use this, he continues to use this water metaphor to explain the well of eternal life. And I think that's really important because sometimes for, you know, mob, it is good to use the nature. It's a bit hard now, but when you're outside, we use nature as part of, you know, explaining what eternal life means, what salvation means, like what injustice looks like, what oppression looks like. It is within our nature. It is not within this four walls, but within our normal day-to-day -day lives. And so we are trying to break down these binary narratives. This conversation isn't binary. We are trying to understand that this woman has layers of what she is experiencing. You know, and also using that social location. It was a discreet way of understanding who this woman was. A single Samaritan woman whose life experience and Jesus like pointing it out, you know, just pointing it out, you know, that you've had, you had a few men, you know. But Jesus' response wasn't, wasn't to um, ho-shame her, but it was to recognise her intersectionality. It was to acknowledge that her multiple layers of identity and the way that power circulates between these layers. He's trying to get to her heart. How can you get to my heart if I have fear, if I have um, domestic violence, if I've had trauma, if I've had grief and loss? How am I supposed to walk through that door if I fear the very place that, that did it to me? How am I? It's, it's, he's actually asking us to leave these walls and go out there. Because he's actually asking her, you know, is this the well? That's, that, is this the well for, for our community to meet our women out there? We have to ask the question, where does the power lie? Where does the privilege lie? We are privileged to have this building, but who is out there that's not privileged enough to walk through those doors, to, to hear the word of God, to know that they, can, they deserve eternal life? if they are not walking through these doors. So where can we find this truth? How do we recognise this truth? And I read Jesus' response to this Samaritan woman. Firstly, the truth is always invitational and we need to give our time to it. 
we need to be intentional about how we worship in spirit and in truth. Not just in spirit, but in truth. Select, secondly, it is collective. Truth needs a community and it needs to be accountable to it. And truth needs to, you know, yeah, truth needs to be accountable to its community. And thirdly, truth reminds us that no one is exempt from the influence of patriarchy. We all experience it. And we read the influence of this patriarchy as Jesus' disciples return and rejoins Jesus at the well. You know, the disciples are like, oh, why is he talking to this woman, you know? Why is he entertaining this woman by himself? Does, doesn't he know that this community is going to be talking about him and her? You know, there's shame, you know, like there's danger. He's actually in danger of talking to this woman. But he's being intentional about talking to this woman. So Jesus reminds his disciples to not perpetrate the oppression that continues to, we need to resist the structures that causes the oppression. How does Jesus say this? He says, are you the one to benefit from eternal life? Is it just you, the man? You know, you are my disciples. Is it just you that is going to benefit? She's the one who needs to benefit from eternal life, not you. You have reaped what others have sowed, but she needs eternal life. And we must question ourselves. Am I reproducing these structural powers for a woman to not walk through those doors? What are the, some of the ideas that are being produced here? Is it gender? Is it racial binaries that I've grown up with? What is our history? What have we learnt in our history that has caused us to think in a way that stops us from um, being invitational to truth? And then how are my own practices connecting to the structures of privilege and oppression? I'm privileged to stand here before you. But as I and exit that door, I know that I am going to be oppressed by these gender, by racism, by discrimination. It is a reality for me. It is a reality for some of these women who sit here. Because, of, because they are women, you know, they are going to be faced with the patriarchy that is, that is out there. So how do we create a space where, where we are not oppressed, but we are privileging all stories, all narratives within this space. And so, in 2018, the NAIDOC theme was because of her we can. You know, we know that in, in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, women are the pillars of our society. <laughs> you know, women, the, our women demanded a better life. Our women created better opportunities our women fought and protest. And it is because of her that we can. And it was because of the Samaritan, that one Samaritan woman, they can. It was through her testimony that that community was saved. It is the greatest, her greatest knowledge was gaining a relationship with spirit and truth. That is the greatest relationship, is to gain knowledge 
and relationship with spirit and truth and that she did not feel powerlessness and she turned her powerlessness into something significant and powerful. So what does abundance look like for me? Well, it looks like that Samaritan woman. Abundance looks like for me as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander woman, it has placed me in community. It is where, where I can have the courage to speak out on racism. It is the courage that I can speak out on trauma and the grief and the loss and that I can flourish even in the midst of the injustices. So what if this Samaritan woman was an Aboriginal woman and she asked you for a cup of water? What would you give her? Would you give her a cup of water? Considering all the things that she is going through, all the oppression that she is going through, would you give her a drink of water? And there are things that Jesus did. One, he created a safe space at the, at the well. Two, he acknowledged her truth. Three, he invites us into a good water conversation. He is the source of the water. We are not asking her to give up everything. We are asking her to give her more good water. And if we are to create stories of eternal life within that story, we are asking her that, you know, we are offering this eternal life. What does that look like? We're not afraid to talk about what does oppression and injustice looks like. For her and for me, or for a migrant, for a refugee, for a single mother, for, for a, mo a single mother who's experiencing mental health, we have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it. And we have to create opportunities for good water conversations. We have to use non-violent language and don't be influenced by those around us who choose to judge. Reprimand them. If they're going to judge, Jesus reprimanded his own disciples. Tell them, no, we, she deserves to be sitting here in this. You know, I deserve to be standing up here talking to you on Darrell country. I choose not to be judged. Abundance is both the server, sower and the reaper. Together, we must sow life. You know, sadly, we have been sowed oppression and so we are reaping oppression. But if we sow life, we reap life. We must change what we do today so that our generations to come reaps good water and eternal life. We must question and acknowledge our own privileges and that abundance may not be for you, but it is for the one who's receiving it. And so I go back to our, at um, our Glebe Nadok Elders Lunch. 
and in one of, and again, just understanding that all my elders were women, mostly women, who fought for justice, who felt quite shame that they were coming in there. They felt quite apprehensive. They felt quite fearful of walking into the Sydney Opera House, that they didn't deserve to be there. But they left with joy. They left feeling celebrated. They left feeling remembered. They left feeling honoured, that we honoured them. And they were surrounded by such good water, which is good stories. The good water is our good stories. And so together, you know, um, and like just being surrounded by the harbour and understanding that, you know, even though we were, were surrounded by the stories of, of hardship and pain, you know, hearing my elders' stories and, and like we had elders crying, just talking about history, like historical stuff, about the massacres, like they were literally talking about, you know, how massacres were happening in their front door. And actually one of my aunties who um, spoke was taken as a baby to Kudamandra. So the train line, they used this train line to bring them from central down to here to Kudamandra. And so like just being able to create that safe space, they felt that abundant life. Even though it was a little bit of a, a glimmer of eternal life, they, they felt what it meant to have an abundant life. And so this is my challenge to you. How are we going to make these spaces, you know, create these spaces of safety? How are we going to acknowledge truth? How are we going to invite good conversations? And how are we going to talk about truth-telling in this country? And it, and it start, always starts with a woman, <laughs> you know? And we need to really acknowledge the work of a woman's life within the church. You know, I come from, a, from the Sydney Diocese. I sit on the Synod. And you know, one of the things that we was talking with my sister Leif in her house, that one of the things why we choose to be in the Anglican Diocese is because my body, my, my very fact that my body is in that diocese reminds them, it reminds them of the injustices. Our body is the testimony that we can enter the spaces, and I'm talking to all you women and gender diverse folk here, that is, is your body, that is your testimony, that you will bring the abundance of life because it comes from you. Every experience that Jesus had within the Bible, it always came from a woman, you know, and so, it is our body that is the testimony. So don't, you know, let's, yeah, so I think we'll talk about more about, um, about what this looks like, about the intersectionality sort of stuff that for Aboriginal people, especially with um, the upcoming referendum. And just to understand, like, like I stand here with, <laughs> um, you know, for a whole month, We've been, I've, my family has taken on five of my grandnieces. 
um, children under emergency care because my niece went into, she had a mental breakdown. And, it, and it's been really, really hard to fight the, the structures that are, that are oppressing her. And not just her, me and my family. And um, so yeah, please keep us in your prayer because it's been really hard and very tiring. And so my, my cup is a little bit empty, but I got, it was full up when I went to NAIDOC at Sydney Opera House. But I just wanted to talk about that. <laughs> so thank you for inviting me and I hope, um, I look forward to our conversations around the yarning circle and that we get, uh, you get to share and I hope the women in this room get to share a bit more about their abundant life. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. Thank <laughs> you.